and welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortinball. This, this right here is episode 126 of the podcast. Thank you for spending some of your time with us today. In just a few minutes, we're going to head out to the Las Vegas desert to visit with Ed Sammons. Race and Sportsbook Manager at the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. Without question, one of the smartest minds in the business. I don't think I've ever asked Ed a single sports question regarding any sport that he hasn't had a dialed-in, buttoned-up answer to. So Ed's going to join us in just a few minutes for what I'm calling, and this is loosely defined right now. We need a better name. But we're calling this the NFL College Football Monday Autopsy. A bit wordy, if you ask me. But we're going to go back through some of the key decisions that took place Saturday and Sunday and try to get a better bearing for how we can retool our power numbers to get set for the next week in both college and pro football. Now, to quickly recap, five and four on the picks this weekend with one more decision yet to be determined. That is an under on the Raiders-Rams Monday night game. Under 49.5 is what we played that at last week. We were 2-1 and one in the NFL, 3-3 three and three in college football. So we're sitting five and four with one game remaining. But before we get to Ed and before we do anything else, I've put together a little something which, again, probably needs a better name. Those of you who don't know me, and I know that's many of you, my favorite number happens to be seven. It's a long, convoluted story, but I bought a $7 plaid bro shirt in New Orleans years ago. Wore it to play craps and won like two grand. And seven, obviously, is a very big number playing craps. So now suddenly, I like this shirt. Met my wife in the shirt. Several other things have happened in the shirt. Uh, first kid was born when I was wearing the shirt. He's born seven pounds, seven ounces. And that night I bet on the Warriors, who were seven-point favorites, and ended up winning by like 30. So needless to say, seven's a big number for me. I've got seven teams between college and pro that I want you to pay attention to moving forward. Right? Seven teams. Let's start with college. California, the Golden Bears, right here in my backyard. 2-0 and straight up. 1-0-1 against the spread this year, defensively giving up just 17.5 points per game. Very quietly, Justin Wilcox has turned this program around in just over one year's time. Gone are the days of Sonny Dykes' teams playing no defense whatsoever and blowing games in the fourth. Wilcox is a candidate to keep your eye on, much like P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. Hint, hint, USC, if you're going to have an open vacancy anywhere in the future. So California, definite buy order on the Golden Bears. Number two. The Hawaii Warriors. Love these guys. Going back to my time living on the East Coast, those games would start at midnight or 1 in the morning, and you could either chase your losses or press your winnings. Hawaii, very quietly, 3-0 straight up, 3-0 against the spread, 3-0 to the over. 3-0 to the over. This is very important. They're scoring a lot of points, but but they're at Army this weekend. They have to travel 6,000 miles. They're going to play an early start time, keep a very close eye on this game, but Hawaii far better than anyone thought they would be this season. Team number three, Arizona State and Herm Edwards. We played them over the weekend. Not only were they six-and-a-half-point dogs to Michigan State, that got bet down to about four-and-a-half. They won the game outright. Keep your eyes on Arizona State moving forward. Just the eye test. Herm's guys are flying all over the field, playing 100 miles an hour. That is what you want from a head coach. Team number four, just a little sample for a game we might play this weekend, laying the three with Texas over USC. I was in Palo Alto Saturday night for the USC-Stanford game. USC looks terrible. Now, Texas has not been impressive by any stretch of the imagination, but this is a big-time revenge spot based on what we saw last year. 
right now, early lean, Texas minus three. Number five, to the NFL we go, Kansas City Chiefs overs. So much speed and so much athleticism on the field. Was definitely wrong taking the Chargers this weekend. It's not so much that I'm upset that I was wrong. It was just the way Andy Reid has designed this offense, it is remarkable to watch. I think even if these guys struggle this year, they're going to find a way to put a lot of points on the board. So let's keep our eye on Kansas City overs. Number six, Buffalo fades. The Bills look like garbage. There's no other way to sum it up. They had an awful preseason. They got destroyed in Baltimore. These guys are in a bad spot early in the season. I don't know how much value there's going to be betting against them. In fact, I don't think there's going to be any because the sports books are wise to this, but there are going to be a lot of Buffalo fades moving forward. And finally, number seven, Cincinnati fades. Don't fall for the win in Indianapolis. I was watching that thing closely because we laid the three, or excuse me, took the three with the Bengals. They look terrible. Andrew Luck was 11 for 17 on third down, or at least the offense converted 11 of 17 third down opportunities. Big mistakes, lack of discipline, same old Marvin Lewis team. Bottom line, Cincinnati fades moving forward. To Ed Sammons in Las Vegas in just a moment, but a reminder to download the BetQL app. It is the app to outsmart Vegas. Maybe not Ed, because I don't think there is any outsmarting Ed, but to outsmart the rest of Vegas. Powerful analytics for sports betting. Get access to real-time line movement, value bets of the day, and meaningful team trends. It's super easy to download. If you have an iPhone like I do, just go to the App Store, search BetQL. If you've got a droid like my wife does, just go to Google Play, search BetQL. It helps change the game. It is a useful tool for you to stay on top of all the information that's out there and to help keep you organized as you improve upon your handicapping skill set. BetQL. The only way to go. Don't you worry, son. It will all be over soon. To the Las Vegas desert we go. He is the race and sportsbook manager at the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas. Ed Sammons making his return to the Sharp 600. Ed, good morning. And as always, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much for joining us today. Let's talk NFL first. How was the week one action at the Westgate for you guys on Sunday? Uh, now that PASPA has been repealed, did you notice any difference? How did week one stack up to other week ones? Uh, I would say this was the busiest week one I've ever seen. I know Saturday with the college football, our handle was up 25%, and I haven't run the exact numbers, but crowd-wise yesterday, you couldn't literally get any more people in here. It was just absolutely packed. What do you attribute that to, PASPA? Uh, no, nah, it's just, I mean, the NFL is always, and college football, football is just so, yeah, as far as betting, that it's just, there's such passionate people and you have, obviously there's, it's definitely more of a younger people's thing and more people are turning 21, 22 and, uh, you know, it's legal to make a wager and it's just, it's just so popular. Overall, yesterday, how did you guys fare? I, my guess would be that the best result was the Bears and the worst result was the Ravens. Um, no. Our best result was the Panthers-Saints. I'm sorry, the Saints and Buccaneers. That was by far our best result. Really? The the Bears would have been our best result, but we needed the Bears to win. Okay, so that ended up working out well. Was there a lot of action on the Ravens, though? Because I'd imagine there weren't a whole lot of people thrilled about the prospects of Nathan Peterman at quarterback for Buffalo. No, there wasn't. I mean, we were really quick as far as being ahead of the market on that one. So 
when everyone was at six on that game, we went to seven. When everyone was at six and a half, seven, we went seven and a half. So we actually wrote back some some money on the other side with people just betting numbers. So we were trying, you know, and then, you know, with all the parlays, yes, they were all on Baltimore and they easily won. We saw how bad Buffalo was in the preseason. We saw what a train wreck was coming. So we were trying to get in front of that. But there was just a lot of popular sides that won yesterday, and uh, we could have bailed the whole day out and had a decent day, but we needed Chicago to win. Essentially, there was a lot of teasers that went down to, you know, in the pick area to maybe minus a half and a lot of money line on Green Bay. So basically, if Chicago had won, we would have won a boatload on the game. But with Chicago covering but not winning, we lost on the game. Fans tend to overreact in a big way to week one. They see that the Saints got beat at home badly by Tampa Bay. They might be fading the Saints in week two. Conversely, you could see a great result for a team like Kansas City and want to ride them the rest of the way out. How do you and the rest of the staff at the Westgate approach week one? Uh, I'd imagine you aren't making any dramatic changes to your power numbers, but has there been anything that you've been changing, anything you've been adjusting? Well, I mean, you know, the, the line is, it's a sensitive thing because it's not all numbers. A lot of it is perception, and perception is reality. And, you know, you really need to account for when you see a train wreck happening, i.e. the Buffalo Bills, you really need to make sure that when you put a line up, that you put it up high enough that it's going to go a certain direction. The worst thing you could do is put up, let's just say the Chargers minus six and a half at Buffalo next week and have the professionals lay six and a half and then have the public just go crazy at seven. Our job is to get the line high enough where you're going to have some professionals say, no, seven and a half is too high. And then, cause you know, you're going to get just bombarded this weekend with all sand or Los Angeles charger money because everyone wants to stand the line and bet against Buffalo right now. So that's the thing is you take the teams uh, another one was Arizona. That was a train wreck yesterday. I had a feeling Arizona was going to be, you know, just a bad team this year. I know a lot of people were really talking them up. Sam Bradford stinks. He's got no business playing. They drafted Rosen. Play Rosen. They're, right now we have the Rams ten and a half next week, and if the Rams happen to win convincingly tonight, that line will go even higher next week. I mentioned the Chiefs a couple moments ago. I was taken aback by the speed and athleticism that that offense had on display in Los Angeles against the Chargers on Sunday. What do you make of Kansas City this year? Better than possibly originally expected? Well, I mean, you saw last year when Alex Smith played. I mean, Tyreek uh, Tyre Hill and uh, Hunt. I mean, the, you know, the, the one thing the Chiefs had was speed. I mean, they were one of the fastest teams, and they had that ridiculously hot start, and then they had a six-week stretch where everything just fell apart for some reason. And, uh, I mean, I like Mahomes a lot. I mean, I, the question was, is how good is he going to be in essentially his first year? And you just didn't know. But you watched some of those throws yesterday, and there's not too many guys that can make some of the throws he made. So it was pretty impressive. In the night game, Khalil Mack was wrecking shop for the Bears in the first half, but Aaron Rodgers has his Willis Reed moment. He comes back on the field, leads the Packers all the way back to a victory late at Lambeau Field. Um, 
here in the Bay Area, the Khalil Mack story has been huge for my radio show. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Everyone's kind of going back and forth whether or not you should pay a non-quarterback $20 million or more. How does a player like that affect the line? For example, how would Aaron Rodgers affect the point spread, and how would Khalil Mack affect the point spread? Well, it matters who they're playing that week. Let's just say the Raiders were opening up tonight at home against Buffalo. It would have no effect on the line. But since they're playing the Rams, and the Rams are one of the most public teams right now, it affected the line because everyone's betting the Rams. So, you know, we just went to six on the game because there's just no buyback at this point. So we're just trying to keep going to see, okay, how high can we go before a professional steps in and says that's enough. And so far we're at six and we haven't seen it. So it, a lot of it depends on who they're playing. I mean, that whole move, you know, I, I think the Raiders may actually rally around that for the first game because everyone has essentially written them off saying that, you know, they gave up on the team by trading him. So I, I think it could be a rallying point tonight. At least I hope it is. Week two lines hit the board at the Westgate yesterday, Jeff Sherman had him up on Twitter. I was going through. Have you taken any significant action on anything like that, made any big changes so far? Uh, we had a house player that he bet some stuff. And, again, you know, it's just so funny that the bets that he made were all, I would call them, to the square side. He just bet the teams that looked really good in the first week. So he bet the Ravens against the Bengals because the Ravens look good, but was it more Buffalo looking just like a train wreck? He bet the Chargers against Buffalo, and we're going to get a lot of against Buffalo this year moments, and that's understandable. And he bet against Dallas because they looked really bad, so he bet the Giants against Dallas. So that's the three bets that we've taken, decent-sized wagers on those to start the week so far. Have you guys encountered this duffel bag boy that I keep hearing about from uh, Mitch Moss and Pauly Howard, the guy betting the monster parlays all over town? Yeah, he's been around for years. He usually comes in about the first three to four weeks of the season when you have all these non-conference huge spread games, and he just tries to, you know, bet the biggest of the, you know, the best teams going against the weaker teams laying just huge numbers. That's just his M.O. And, uh, you know, he was literally one play away from doing really well this week. If if UCLA hadn't thrown a touchdown pass on fourth down from the nine-yard line, he would have done really well. Does he literally walk around with a duffel bag filled with cash? Uh, I haven't seen the duffel bag, but I like the nickname. I think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Monday Night Football, it's the Jets at the Lions, and it's the Raiders hosting the Rams. From a side and total perspective, who are you guys going to be rooting for at the book, and which way is the public going to be going here? Public likes Detroit, and the public is in love with the Rams tonight. And we're going to be rooting for both dogs, but if we just got one, the one we're really going to be rooting for is the Raiders because – I can tell you that there is a ton of liability on the Rams in that game, and it's just going to mound through uh, the first game. No matter what happens in that game, unless Detroit happens to lose straight up, that it's just going to add more liability to the uh, Rams. So we're really going to be Raider fans tonight in this sports book. To the uh, college football world we go. A few questions here. Let's begin with um, the first two-plus weeks of the season because I know a few teams have notched three games, like Hawaii, for example, and we'll get to them in a moment. But um, what have been the biggest surprises or adjustments you've made? Has anything happened that's forced you to make some significant alterations to your power rankings? 
Uh, I mean, there's definitely been some results. I, I know the game, the first, uh, I think they call it week one, not week zero. The Utah State really came close to winning at Michigan State. And then Michigan State went down, and that's just been a horrendous spot for the Big Ten teams going down into Arizona and playing in September when the temperature is 102 degrees or whatever. They just seemed to melt in the second half, and that's what happened to Michigan State. They just melted down, and uh, that was definitely a surprise as far as Michigan State losing that game because they kind of got a scare in week one. And Arizona State so far through two games has looked good, but it's just I don't know if you can win football games in college football 16 to 13 in this era because there's you know Michigan State will play slower but there's a lot of teams that won't and when the tempo gets up you just can't play slow like that it's impossible. Herm Edwards is two and zero at Arizona State. Meanwhile, Kevin Sumlin is zero and two at Arizona. Either one of those surprising to you? Oh, the Arizona thing, just how bad they looked against BYU, and then when. You know, I like Houston a lot this year. I had them, you know, rated really high, but I had Arizona obviously rated higher. And that's a game I actually played. I played Arizona plus, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Arizona plus four and a half in that game. And I thought it was just, you know, since they got embarrassed in the first game, that was a really good spot for them. And for them to lay down the way they did, that was shocking. So that kind of told me that, and it's a game I had played earlier as well, was, Cal plus three and a half against BYU I thought was one of the better bets of the weekend because the BYU win, you could tell how fake it was because Arizona, I don't know what's going on there. You know, a lot of people are complaining about the play calling because I know Tate's a big runner and they're not letting him run, and it's really affecting the offense. Arizona's never been much on defense, but they usually score a ton of points, and now they can't score, so it's kind of a disaster right now. Clemson with a 28-26 scare at Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher had his guys cooking in that game. What do you make of this, though? Is A&M maybe a little bit better than we anticipated, or is Clemson showing what could be a couple cracks in the facade? No, no. Clemson, I mean, I I have Clemson as the second-best team in the country, just slightly ahead of Ohio State. I mean, Clemson's the real deal. Going down to College Station in September against a team that's, you know, they're a veteran team, that Texas A&M team, and that quarterback can play, and they've got a ton of athletes on that team, and that that's just a hard place to play. So Clemson was just happy getting out with a win, and it was a lot closer than I'm sure that they had anticipated, but that's just it's a really tough scheduling spot. I was in Palo Alto on Saturday for the USC-Stanford game. The Trojans muster just three points, but it's not so much that. They just look boring. They look slow. They don't look like the USC I remember from the last 10, 20 years going back to the start of the Pete Carroll era. Uh, Clay Helton as the head coach, how much longer do you think he's got? Well, that's definitely a a topic of discussion this week. I I know USC went into that game, and they had three offensive linemen that were real iffy to play. So I'm sure the ones that did play were not even close to 100%. They also had a freshman quarterback having his first start on the road. So that's not that surprising that they struggled in that spot. It's just a young team. And, you know, I I don't think USC is at the level of Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State where they just reload. It's just going to take some time. And people that think that they are, I think they're fooling themselves. What are people thinking about uh, the USC-Texas game this weekend? It's a nice little revenge spot there for the Longhorns. Yeah, it is. Texas really went to – uh, L.A. last year, and they really should have won that game. They 
played a great game, and it was one of the better games of the year, and I think they wound up losing in overtime. Texas is another team that I really had high expectations for this year, and uh, you know, through two games they've just looked awful so far. I'm not exactly sure what's going on there, but this is definitely a game that I think Texas is uh, going to win this week. It's you know, USC is really banged up, and they're just not ready to go on the road against top, top uh, competition yet. After that season-opening loss in South Bend against Notre Dame, the talking heads started getting real critical of Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. Ed, what do you think? Can Harbaugh make it work in Ann Arbor? A hundred percent, yes. That's just the media just taking a story and running with it. The Michigan team last year, I think they had one guy back on defense, and it was such a young team last year like USC is this year. And they were going to take their lumps last year. And if you look at their season a little bit closer, I mean, they were beating Ohio State in the third or fourth quarter last year in the last game of the year. I know they lost their ball game, but they had a big lead in the game. Is You know, Michigan's going to be just fine. Jim Harbaugh's a great coach. Anyone that doesn't think that, I think they're out of their minds. Look what happened to the Niners the second he left. They absolutely went in the tank. Great point. Um, and I was right here when that happened. I actually moved here the December of Harbaugh's final few weeks, and we've lived through Jim Tom Sula and Chip Kelly, and now Kyle Shanahan's yeah. trying to get it back on track. Um, one of the point spreads I was looking at for this upcoming week, Auburn and LSU. Now, given the fact that LSU hammered Miami the first week of the season, I was thinking this line might be a little bit tighter, but I'm seeing it upwards around nine, nine and a half, Auburn a sizable favorite. Uh, take me through the process on that. Auburn's that much better than LSU, huh? It's funny you bring that up because – I was really down on LSU this year, and, you know, I thought Miami played just a horrendous – they just no-showed that game. They acted like they were just going to show up and win easily, and it was a complete no-show. And the things I read about LSU's last game, that they're having so many problems on the offensive line that they're only sending two guys out on passes now because they can't block anyone – we had this game up as a game of the year, and I think we were up around 13 or 14 in this game, so – me being in the industry, I thought the complete opposite. I was shocked at how low the spread was of 10. I think this spread will move up towards 13 as we get closer to game time. Interesting. Um, when yeah. I was, when Auburn, I... Auburn, Auburn is in a different class than LSU. I think LSU is a fraudulent team. They've got a name that people remember, but they're not close to the good teams in the SEC. What do you see? Auburn is maybe the third best in the SEC? Uh, no. Where uh, do you have You've them? got Georgia, Georgia and Alabama – or obviously in a different class. Auburn is literally a point less than Georgia. Those three are so far out there. And then you come into your next level and you're talking, you know, about a Mississippi State, about an LSU, but it's a huge drop. When I was living on the East Coast, um, and I was as unsophisticated as it could be when it came to betting sports, one of the games I always loved on Saturday nights was when Hawaii would kick off at midnight. It'd be the Chase Your Money special, or it'd be the type of game where if you were having a good day, you could press and see if you could make any more. Now, very quietly, Hawaii's gotten off to a 3-0 and start, and they've done so as big dogs in two of those games. The overs also hit in each of their first three games. How are you viewing these guys right now, and do you what's it like in the sportsbook for Hawaii games? Do you have guys chasing on that as well? Oh, the Hawaii games are great. I mean, I, I, I came from the East Coast. I remember when their games used to start at 1 a.m. on the East Coast because they used <laughs> to play 10 o'clock Pacific time, which was just awesome watching a football game at 1 o'clock in the morning. But Hawaii... 
you know, when June Jones was there and they were really scoring points, they were so popular. And obviously they've been down of late. Now they found this new quarterback who has just been amazing through three games, you know, because my ratings for Hawaii coming into the year were just, I had them, you know, as the second worst team in the Mountain West, just ahead of uh, San Jose. And obviously with their production so far and the way they're scoring points, you know, right now I have them in the, uh, you know, I think I have them like in the top five right now, but you know, it's it's definitely a team the public notices, and you know Hawaii has a crazy spot this week where they have to go play at Army, so they're traveling literally six thousand miles, and they're also playing a nine nine a.m. game uh, Pacific time, which is six a.m. Hawaiian time. So it's the all time like body, uh, you know, against the body, you know, because their body time is going to be set to six a.m. even though the game starts at noon Eastern time. And the point spread is reflective of that. You know, my ratings on that game have it about five or six, and the line is seven right now. And it's just, you know, we try to build things into that. It's like when a West Coast team has to go back east in the NFL and play a 10 a.m. game. It gets accounted for. Uh, Final question before I let you go. Any significant moves on your week two college lines from when they opened until now? Um, I mean, there's always some, it's, 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 you know, if you look at just last week, I mean, to me, the, the, the three biggest games were Mississippi state. I think, uh, we had that game of the year last week. We had opened at two and a half and last week at one point it was up to nine and a half. I think it closed seven. And the, 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 the funny one was the BYU Cal game because I had used, uh, Cal minus four, and someone bet me that. And then when we put the line up this past week, we had hung it up. Uh, California, I'm sorry, BYU minus three. It was even as high as three and a half, and we closed that game too. But, you know, we had the other side favored. And then we were talked about that Houston-Arizona game, which I would have had Arizona favored before the year, you know, probably about four and a half, and they wound up getting four and a half in the game. I haven't looked through the games yet this week, but they're the ones last week that really stand out. You get into a lot of comparisons now where you look at who a team has played and you try to really judge it because sometimes these teams can get these uh, fake records or these fake numbers from playing really inferior competition. Race and Sportsbook Manager at the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas, Ed Sammons, joining us here on the Sharp 600. Ed, I always appreciate the insight. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It's greatly appreciated. You're welcome, Joe. Have a good week. I feel so unsatisfied. I'll tell you one thing right now. I am absolutely piggybacking Ed's analysis on the Auburn LSU game. I was wondering why Auburn's a nine and a half point favorite based on the way LSU looked against Miami. That sold it for me. Auburn minus nine and a half is definitely going to be a play for us this week in our college football selections. That's a wrap for episode 126. Thank you all for your time today. It is greatly appreciated from the bottom of my heart. A reminder to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't done so already. Every bit helps, everybody. We're back later in the week with college football picks and NFL picks. But for now, be well and best of luck.